Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... It's not just the fact that they are collecting the products. They're also using their voice to help amplify the fact that period poverty exists in Australia. People didn't talk about periods before this, right? So the advocacy work that we've done in that space, I'm so proud of. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 398 of Impact Food. My name's Sarah and I'm passionate about envisioning, empowering and contributing to initiatives and enterprises causing positive transformation locally and globally. And today we are speaking with Rochelle Cordney. On today's podcast, we will be discussing how Rochelle has been a catalyst for combating the shame, stigma and real impact of period poverty across Australia, why Share the Dignity exists and a bit about the story so far and how they've made a profound difference. Rochelle is the founder and managing director of Share the Dignity, a national charity founded in 2015 with the mission to ensure that everyone is afforded the dignity in life that so many of us take for granted. Share the Dignity provides dignity to those who menstruate, who are experiencing or at risk of homelessness, domestic violence or poverty through the distribution of period products and the hashtag It's In The Bag donations filled with essential items. The charity is powered by volunteers and through Rochelle's contagious spirit, over 6,000 volunteers have jumped on board to make a difference. Share the Dignity has collected and distributed over 4 million period products through multiple initiatives across Australia, as well as holding national collections. Rochelle is passionate about advocating for change and creating long-term solutions. Rochelle has received accolades for her work, including Finalist Australian of the Year, Cosmopolitan Humanitarian of the Year and Pride of Australia. Rochelle, thank you so much for joining us today. What an introduction. Well done. <laughs> oh, I know. Am, am I 398 or am I 399 episode? Oh, I think you're 398. Whoa. Yeah. That's very impressive. I know. Very. That's commitment to building a better world. So well done. Oh, it's a team effort. So much to talk about today, Rochelle, and I know like I would love to talk to you for three hours, but <laughs> let's jump straight in and just tell us a little bit more. As a founder and the managing director, can you share with us about the organisation, its purpose and the impact it's generating? Yeah, look, back in 2015 when I read an article that Mamma Mia had talked about, there were 48,000 women who were experiencing homelessness and they were having to use socks and newspaper and what did up toilet paper to deal with their period I could not believe that was happening here in Australia and I was really embarrassed that I'd never given a thought to how people would deal with their period if they couldn't afford it 
I just thought everyone had the luxury of being able to buy a packet of pads or tampons when they got their period. When I Googled it, it wasn't the first article to ever be written, but there was very little information on the web about periods or what we now claim as period poverty or anything like that. I just knew, like I know now, that there isn't a person in Australia who wouldn't be empathetic to hearing that another person is using somebody else's socks or newspaper or what it up toilet paper to deal with their period and that it wasn't that hard to fix. It was one of those problems that I just thought, I do not want my daughters reading about this problem in 10 years and thinking, oh, why has no one done anything about it? I just jumped in and thought, you know what? Let's just create a solution because there's every sister looking after another sister, right? There's no way in any bathroom in Australia, if you needed a pad or a tampon, that there wouldn't be an absolute stranger who would give that to you. So that's what we needed to do. And that's been my biggest driver is that making sure that everybody knows about it. Yeah. Because we're part of the solution. Absolutely. And it's phenomenal what you've created so far with your team. Could you share about your background and what led you to being where you are today? You know, I lived in a home that had a lot of violence in it. I had a brother who was actually quite violent to me all my life. Yeah, just say and then it just replicated through my life to a point where that trauma has so many rippled effects that continue on. And I know that when people say, oh, you're so empathetic, I completely understand how a drug addict could end up being a drug addict or someone who's experienced homelessness because of all of these things have got themselves to that path, right? So the one thing that I hate more than anything in the world is people judging because you just never know what path that other person has taken. And I will tell you that meeting this incredible young woman who actually I met in a domestic violence shelter with a brand new baby boy and we were able to give her an it's in the bag because she had nothing. In actual fact, she was stealing pads, maternity pads from the supermarket to be able to deal with her blood because the money she needed for formula and baby items. We ended up talking and she talked about that she was a young girl of eight and her mother sold her for sex in her home and that she ended up living on the streets at the age of 12 and she knew to steal somebody else's socks from the laundromat to deal with her period. No one even told her about periods. She went from living on the streets to then living with someone who was 35 when she was 15 years old and going into another domestic violence relationship. Now, people can judge her all you like, but you don't know the story behind everybody and everybody has a story. And so I say that I hate the word hate, but I really dislike judgment of people because you just don't know what they've been through. On the flip side, I remember meeting this and I was doing it. I was the person who was judging. I remember meeting this beautiful woman who had big implants and she was completely beautiful, but I judged her on her beauty and what she was wearing. And you know what? When I got to know her, to hear her talk about the sexual abuse she got as a young child and she always wanted boobs so no one confused her ever and she never got confused for a young girl. It took her mind away from that. So there's you that judgment know. piece. You never know the story behind yeah. people, right, and what makes them choose to do them. That's why I just say let people do them and you just worry about doing the best version of yourself. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. That completely took us off on a whole different tangent. Oh, but to me, yeah. I wish I knew that stuff as I was growing up. Yeah. And how has that knowing been pivotal in exploring and expanding the work that you do with your team as well? I don't know that it has an impact, but I absolutely know that I'm surrounded by incredible people who wanted to join my passion to make this difference. And I wanted everybody to feel empowered. And I always call this the people's charity. I don't make these decisions on my own. We have incredible volunteers. I run everything past them and my board is also volunteers and the people around me. It's really been about I don't ever profess to have all the answers, but I don't take no for an answer when it comes to how do we solve that? Let's solve it. No, we can't do it. Bullshit, we can't do it. I have that dogged determination to make that difference. And while we do our collection drives of March and August and our It's in the Bag, which is like my favourite child, our Dignity vending machines, there was one path in Share the Dignity where we paid for funerals for those that were killed by domestic violence but were staying in morgues for months because their families couldn't afford to pay for their funerals. And I was like, where is the dignity in that of them begging the radio or begging on GoFundMe to just get enough funds to pay for funerals? So... Whilst that was not in our repertoire of what we needed to do, there was no way I could jog past that and continue. We now no longer need to do that. After we paid for about 17 funerals, probably the hardest two years of my life because every one of those stories are heartbreaking. But I went to every attorney general in every state and said, this is bullshit. There is absolutely no way that Sadie should be in a morgue for three months while her family, this is a government role. Where do we create some sort of checklist when we failed them miserably to the point where they no longer have their mother or their father or their baby, how do we make sure that this doesn't happen? I'm really proud to say that going to every attorney general and one attorney general, I remember saying, do you want this on the front page of the paper? Because if you don't make the difference, we will. That to me was, I couldn't jog past it. And I just knew that had to happen. We paid for the funerals and didn't go out it was a hard thing. It was like we funded them, but we couldn't go out on the Facebook page and go, look, look at what we did because we needed the family to have dignity and that respect of just let them move on to the next chapter and let's make sure that they're supported by the services that need to support them and let's make sure that it's been raised and addressed. And I'm really proud to say now that in every state that does not happen anymore because it's still in our constitution, but we haven't had to do it for years. That's Amazing. Wow. Yeah. But after that, I now am very clear that there are thousands of issues out there that need to be solved, but I need to stay in my lane because I am one of those people who wants to fix everything and I want to make sure everyone gets a house and I want to make sure that everyone gets help to, you know, what would help if everyone got help to deal with the trauma that happens to them as children, then they wouldn't end up being drug addicts and mental health issues and alcoholics and repeated behaviour. If we fix that, our jails would probably be empty. We would have less crime. We'd be able to live in a much better world. But that, to me, is a problem that's much bigger than me and I just need to sit back and 
help eradicate period poverty. Yeah, <laughs> if that yeah. Makes sense. Uh, here's something that I can fix. Here's something that I can make sure that everyone has the ability to donate. When Woolworths came on board and put collection boxes in every store, everybody goes to the shopping centre every week, right? Everyone goes to get groceries. We made it super simple. But we also only collect in those two months for Dignity Drives because we wanted people to have a call to action. That makes sense. Yeah, and it is. It's overwhelming, all the world's to-do lists, and also comforting to know that there's so many incredible people out there working on it. Absolutely. Listen to you. You've got 398 other stories that you've already podcasted on about incredible people doing amazing work in whatever lights up their world. So, Rochelle... You've been successful in partnering with organisations, like you said, like Woolworths, to expand your reach and to have a greater ability to make that difference. So how did those partnerships grow? And can you tell us more about some of Share the Dignity's advocacy work? Because I know maybe not everybody knows about that. You mentioned some of the unknown work, but yeah, yeah, tell us more. Yeah, look, I'm going to tell you the story about Bunnings. So just for everybody who's listening is that we do three collections a year, March and August. Collection boxes go out in thousands of locations around Australia because it's not just the fact that they are collecting the products. They're also using their voice to help amplify the fact that period poverty exists in Australia. People didn't talk about periods before this. So the advocacy work that we've done in that space, I'm so proud of because when I first started the charity, you could not find a picture of men holding packets of pads and tampons. You can now Google it. There are boys at basketball camps. There are boys playing soccer. There are girls at netball. There are men in ATO offices in Canberra holding packets of I love that so much. I know, that's one of my massive achievements. And yeah, it's just a significant little piece that's really important to make sure that if we could remove the shame and stigma around menstruation, we would have less people suffering for longer with endometriosis. We would have more people trying to fall pregnant before they're desperately needing to fall pregnant. It has so many rippled effects to it, right? considering the boys who don't get educated end up being somebody's bosses, somebody's husband, somebody's father, somebody's son, and we're not educating them. It's so ridiculous. And so I'm really looking forward to the massive advocacy piece that we continue doing where we've rolled out access to sanitary items in all schools in Australia. We're halfway there, but making sure that children in schools are educated educating boys and girls, and we're not sending boys out of the rooms. Then we're also working with Indigenous and migrants to work out how do we educate them in their culturally respectful ways as well, so that we live a world where if you've got endometriosis, you can walk up to your boss and feel comfortable in him understanding that today you're just not your best. Yeah, so... In March and August, we do collection drives and our It's in the Bag is like my favourite child. So it's where we ask everyday Australians to fill a handbag with life's essentials, things like shampoo, conditioner, toothbrush, toothpaste, deodorant, soap, then sanitary items, obviously. Then anything else anyone puts into their bag is they're only limited by their bag size, their imagination and their budget. I've owned 7,422,000 hair ties in my life, but I can never find one. So maybe a packet (laughs) of hair ties in your handbag have to have a chapstick in my car, in my bedside drawer, in my desk drawer and in my handbag because I always want one. So just thinking about what are the things that you would want should you flee domestic violence and 
you've got nothing. This is a great story. So the very first year for It's in the Bag, I was cleaning out my bathroom cupboard on a rainy Sunday and I had this great idea about It's in the Bag, had no infrastructure in place at all. I'm just like the ideas person. So I put it on our page. It went quite viral. We collected 24,000 bags that very first year on volunteers' verandas and we only had about 200 volunteers at that stage. It was incredible to take them to the charities and hear the charities talk about how they've always had gifts for kids, but they've never had gifts for mums. And to hear them say, oh, my God, I gave this to Sabrina and this is the first Christmas gift she's had since she was eight and sent into foster care. And just hearing those stories was remarkable. Anyway, the next year we fancied it up, did it a little bit better, went out to all of the people who collected for the drives, like hairdressing salons, beauty salons, MPs, offices, all of those. And that year we had 110,000 bags collected. And in some of the beauty salons that we would pick up at night and then they would ring the next morning and saying, the beauty salon's all full and I can't even do treatments. Can you send somebody? (laughs) And obviously we were all working and we were volunteers based completely for the first four years. So it was exceptionally hard. That year was so hard. It made me then go out and think about where do I want them? And I spoke to Westfields and it wasn't going to happen with Westfields. So I put it onto our Share the Dignity page and said, we want collection points in every Bunnings all over Australia. Can every woman in Australia tag Bunnings? And so Bunnings rang me the next day. Oh, um, my we goodness. To celebrate our sixth year having our collections with Bunnings. So it was very cheeky. But it worked. But Bunnings had space and everyone knows where their Bunnings is, right? And I love working with Bunnings and the Bunnings staff. Every year they vote to redo this Share the Dignity every year. Oh, so that's it's, terrific. They are, the people, they are the people business of Australia for me. Their people are always top of mind. That's phenomenal to know. Yeah. And... I just want to make a comment circling back to what you were sharing about getting boys involved in the period discussions and the ripple effects that has. I'm so with you on that. In If we can break stigma, then we can talk about it. But if we can't talk about it, there's no space for any conversation about period poverty, cycles, endometriosis, four phases. Doing that early and doing that in all facets of society is just so important and I'm, I love hearing about that. Yeah, we partnered with Talk Revolution about five years ago to bring about Period Talk, which are these six sassy kids and two of them are boys talking about periods. So what's a menstrual cup? I never knew in my whole life what a menstrual cup is. Imagine it, a world where young girls know what a menstrual cup is and then they don't have to worry about it for forever, nor do their parents have to. And it's great for the environment. Not that it's right for everybody, but having the knowledge and the ability to make your own choices is what it's about, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So as a talented leader with all of this incredible experience, what are some actionable steps and learnings that you would share with change makers looking to expand their impact? If I hadn't known that collecting the data, (laughs) that data was so important at the beginning, like we went a million miles an hour. We went from a local wasn't even a charity it was just a Facebook group that I'd set up on the 1st of March 2015 to a national charity all in three months time to a public benevolent institution it just 
went at a million miles an hour. Not anyone ever said you need to capture this data for this particular reason very early on. And to be honest, we wouldn't have had the funds. We wouldn't have had the backup knowledge, but I really wish that was top of mind Mm. for me at the beginning. I wish that someone sat down and gave me, how do you measure social impact? We can't retrospectively go back and measure it now, right? But for me, now that I know, I think that balance and having balance days where you're not 100% in running the business because when you have balance days, you're the best version of you, right? I've only started to introduce balance days now, which for me means take yourself out of it, Go do the things that bring you joy, like going for a walk, just having that time to be you because that brings a better version of you, not a tired, wrecked version that some people have to be at the end of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are the challenges and the opportunities that you see in the space that you're in? Look, last year we held a global period poverty forum. So we at Share the Dignity brought together 45 leaders from around the world who are working in this space and that's never happened before. So it's happened in countries in different areas but never everyone from around the world and we all came together for three days to listen and learn. Ultimately that's what it was about and connection. For now if I want to do something and speak to somebody in Scotland then I've got a connection there. We're just listening and learning how can we all do better to create a world where period poverty doesn't exist. And menstrual equity, to me, is now the next level, right? So menstrual equity is, yeah, we can give period products to people, but how do we make sure we educate boys and girls? How do we educate in workplaces? How do we educate workplaces to be better bosses? Because ultimately there is that massive gap where their education did not exist. And how do we remove that shame and stigma? How do we all be part of a bigger conversation globally and what can we all do to do that? Absolutely, love that. So, Rochelle, to finish off, what are some books or resources that you would recommend to our listeners? Oh, personally, I have read every Brene Brown book, but I'm continuously listening and learning time management if you ask any leader if I even sit around the room with my staff and say what do you need more of they will all say time so for me having read all of Kate Christie's time management books has been the biggest game changer for me we all have inevitably the same 24 hours in a day and it doesn't matter who you are they're the same 24 hours so what's the best use of your time and how can you best spend that for me I now have what's the best recipe of life. And that's all come from reading all of Kate Christie's books. I would suggest that is on everybody's repertoire because that's also about how do you delegate effectively. Delegating is really hard for leaders, especially at the beginning. It's a skill that you have to learn as well and understand what you're good at and what's the best use of your time. Very wise words there. Rochelle, thank you so much for your generous insights and time. It's been truly amazing to hear. And I know what we've spoken about. It's just like a tiny bit. We haven't even got to axe the tax. Actually, can we just quickly share about that? Yes. Can you (laughs) believe that we paid GST on sanitary items for over 20 years? When I found out, I could not believe it. I didn't actually know. I was so ignorant. And when we were putting together... 
the period packs that go into our vending machines, it became apparent that there was GST on them. And I'm like, that is so not right. So long story short, we filed a federal petition that required 100,000 signatures online in 30 days, which we actually had the most online signed petition that Australia had ever seen. 120,000 people signed that petition. It went before the parliament and Greens and Labor were on board straight away and the Liberals were saying, we're not removing any GST off any items. We'll actually be adding them on. And I remember having a conversation with Greg Hunt at six o'clock at night. He was in the back of his car. Greg Hunt was our federal minister for health. And I said to him quite simply, you have the ability to actually remove this GST yourself as the federal health minister. And I would like to point out that if this is not passed, we as Australian women will be lodging a federal class action suit to regain all of our money back for the GST. You're classifying them as a... Therapeutics Goods Association Act, yet you're deeming them with tea. That doesn't make sense. Let's just pass it. Anyway, 10 days later, we got the phone call that it would be going through. So it was a massive achievement. And we have, as Australian women, have saved over $30 million in GST on sanitary items that we should never have paid in the first place. That, that is phenomenal. Is, that, and the story goes much deeper than that, of but course, that's a very yes. small snapshot of it. I spoke to more politicians than I ever care to mention that year, but we did it. You did do it and credit to you. It's uh, It was giving everybody the power to have a voice. And I will tell you that our politicians can only be our politicians because we as constituents pay for them to do that. So every email that you send them must be responded to from them. So we got a groundswell of people to send that email to make sure that we had all of the platforms. You just copy and paste it from our website. We just kept on regurgitating what people needed to do to be part of the change. And mm. I think that's the thing. I didn't do it alone. I just got everybody else to be as enraged as it as I was. Yeah. Uh, and they were. Absolutely. A million percent. And yeah. it's the ripple effect that has cascaded from there in awareness has been phenomenal and continues to be. And we're very grateful for that in Australia. And yeah. seeing that happen more broadly in the world is incredible too. So ultimately from doing that and being part of a lot of media attention that year is how Woolworths came to me and mm. said, we want to work with you. We want to be part of your championing to end period poverty here in Australia. So I didn't even go to them. They came to us. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. So very cool, very yeah. progressive, and we love working with Woolworths. It makes it super easy for everyone to donate, but their voice amplifies our mission. Absolutely. Such a valuable partnership to have. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rochelle. No it's been My terrific pleasure. speaking with you and I look forward to seeing the next amazing things that Share the Dignity does. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.